Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. All right, National Signing Day has come and gone. Fizz Miss is in the books for the most part here, and we're going to break down what happened for Syracuse today in this 2020 class. Tim Leonard with Gil Gross and J.D. Rachi. Pretty much a normal National Signing Day. No one flipped on Syracuse. They did miss out on a couple guys. They got some surprise commits early on in the day. Move up a little bit in the rankings to 53rd overall nationally. And now ninth in the ACC, which is a little bit better than the past two years. They were 10th in the ACC. But for the most part, guys, it just feels like this is still more of the same with Dino Babers in this 2020 class. Overall, just average. Just really, really average. You look at what they did compared to last year. Their ACC rank went up. That's good. Their average rating, according to 24-7, which for my money is probably the best uh, ranking service out there. ESPN, probably a close second, but... Uh, their average rating, 83.91, is down from last year. They were at 84.83 last year. And the thing with this class for me is, although it's better than it was last year, technically according to national rank, 53 versus 56, last year there were guys that popped off the page for me. There was Mikel Jones. There was Lee Koba. To some extent, there was a guy like Neil Nunn who got me excited. The same thing two years ago with a guy like Andre Sisko and Ify Melifonwu. Right. Of course, looking back yep. now, you can say those guys are really good. And Trill Williams, another guy that kind of popped off the page. This year, there's maybe two guys that pop off the page for me, except for a guy that's a punter, and you don't really want your <laughs> punting prospect to pop off the page. Punter you. <laughs> One of the top prospects that you're looking at. So I just feel like this class is missing some star power. Is I, there a potential here? Sure. I just don't think there's star power. I'm I'm with you. No one pops off the page, and uh, the thing is, that might not be that bad a thing. I mean, there's nothing to cling on to for fans, but you look at a guy like Kadir White, a four-star, haven't heard from him since. I mean, just because you nag a four-star who's a little bit higher rated than some of the players that we're, I mean, for sure sleeping on, yeah. Right, because there's going to be some in here that we're not paying attention to, but they're going to end Sisco up good. Andre is a perfect example. I mean, there was no hype for Andre Ratings Sisco aren't everything. When he was coming they out of be. IMG. I think an interesting thing I read in the last week, kind of getting ready for Fismas here, was uh, an interesting thing that I read was don't look at the rating and the stars. Look at the offer sheets. Yeah. I think that's a good way oh, to go totally. about things. Right. And some of these guys have like a really, really impressive offer sheets. You look at Latari Kinsler, who we'll get into a little bit more, but he's the top recruit in this class, a defensive end out of Pahokee High School down in Florida, and he's a three-star, 86.75. He probably would have been eh, the fourth best recruit in Actually, their class the fifth last best, year. Yeah. Right. There were four better than that last year, and in the year before that, there were three guys higher than 86.75. So 86.75 isn't a great top guy, but as you said, you look at his, his offer, offer sheets, sheets LSU, really, really USC, impressive. I mean, it's all over. Oregon, Miami, he was between Louisville, even pulled up the Louisville hat today and faked out Syracuse fans a little bit, which at that time, that would have been really bad if they lost Kinsler. But an absolute it, it, it was just a pump him. fake. And Kinsler's really good. I mean, he is the prize of this class. And then right behind him, Damian Alford on 24-7 sports is an 86.3 at the wide receiver position. And then you've got another pass catcher, Stephen Mahar, is a tight end at an 86 overall. So 
Faber seems still optimistic about this class. He said they wanted more size. They wanted more length to compete at the ACC level. You get that a little bit, but you guys are right. I mean, it's just not ratings-wise, which aren't everything. It's just not the same in terms of star power at the top. And overall, it's just what we're used to with Syracuse, which is a mediocre to end-of-the-pack ACC type of recruiting class. I mean, ninth in the ACC is a little bit better, but you'd think that maybe in this part of the Dino Babers era, they'd be making a little bit more strides. Yeah, nothing's changing here, and it's just something that I think people need to come to terms with. If you look at Babers' four full classes that he's had, 2017 national rank, 54, 2018, 51, last year, 56, this year, 53. This is what this program is. And you know what? You can't pin it on the head coach. Do you know why? The people before him weren't doing any better. Yeah, but they also didn't have a 10-win season. And I know people will say, well, you you had a 4-win season. That takes a little steam out of it. But really, this class, over the summer after the 10-win season, wasn't really producing any three-stars You'd think they'd or any four-stars. You'd think they'd get a four-star like they've gotten a couple in the past couple years. No four-stars in this class is... If you would have asked someone after the 10-win season, they probably would have been shocked that they wouldn't get at least yes. one four-star because that's and what they've been doing in the past. there were a lot of guys they were really close on. Yeah. Bryce Scouty, who ends up going to Georgia Tech, a couple of other guys, Christian Veyu, a quarterback. Uh, reclassified. He's reclassified, yeah. so there's still a possibility they get him, but I don't envision them getting him. And that's another issue. This class doesn't have a quarterback. That's the biggest issue. It's I a mean, huge issue. And I think Dino, Gil, you went to his press conference. I think he even admitted that. He basically said, yeah, like we've – we've got to look into this. Like, why aren't we getting quarterbacks to the level that we probably should be? I mean, they got DeVito, but here they are, third straight class in a row going into the early signing period without a quarterback. You miss on Cade Forden, who's the transfer who used to play at North Carolina. He commits to USF yesterday, the day before National Signing Day. But no quarterbacks. I mean, it it sounds simple, but that's everything. Quarterback is the biggest position in football. Yeah, Baber says that they need one by February. So so the plan is not, oh, we, we missed out early signing period. We just won't get a quarterback this this year in this class. You need one class. every, every yes. single cycle. You need at least one. Yeah. Because as much as Tommy DeVito is, like, the most hyped recruit since Donovan McNabb and is supposed <laughs> to be the golden – like. He wasn't perfect this year. That's well, for also, certain. they have like they don't really have much depth. They've got right. David Summers next year because he had his redshirt year this year, so he'll likely to be the two. And then may, there's a possibility Rex Culpepper comes back. And right. no and Syracuse it. quarterback has stayed healthy since Ryan Nassib. Yeah, since season. 2012. So that's why it shows you if if any program should understand how much quarterback depth is and how impactful that is, it's Syracuse and. Here they are for whatever reason. I mean, you'd think quarterback will be a position that they would recruit well, given Dino Babers is an offensive guy. It's a fun system to play in. It's a spread offense that is appealing to a high school quarterback, potentially. He can put up numbers. And, I mean, he's had success with Jimmy Garoppolo, taking a guy like that to the NFL. And what DeVito, I mean, it seems like he got DeVito based on those principles. And I would have guessed that quarterback, wide receiver, these skill positions – he would be seeing a little bit more return at this point in his tenure. Because really, when you look at this class, he said, you know, it doesn't have the skill position guys. So that might deter some people, but I'm happy with it because it's the guys that win games for you. Well, you still need skill positions. I mean, that's what the top tier of the ACC has is fast guys that Syracuse hasn't had in the past. One thing I will say is when I'm looking at these ACC rankings and kind of where everybody falls, the fa- most fascinating thing to me is that there's only one program in the ACC that got 
any five stars, and that's Clemson. Yep. They got six of them, which is absurd and is an above-average year for a total conference, but Miami, Florida State, all those teams do not get five stars. Uh, the other thing I think is interesting to look at, too, Boston College has been consistently the worst recruiting team in the ACC for a while now. There's really it, There wasn't a lot of hope that they were going to get out of there, but they just hired the third-best recruiter in the country away from Ohio State, Jeff Halfley, who was the defensive coordinator Ohio State, is now the head coach at Boston College, and according to 24-7's recruiting, recruiter rankings, he's the third-best recruiter in the country behind Brian Hartline, also at Ohio State, and Todd Bates at Clemson. So I think the shift from, you know, you don't need a five-star to have a good class is certainly something that the ACC is seeing. I think four stars are the key to any program. And they don't have any. I mean, right. which no, is unacceptable, I it's mean, honestly, at this stage. And Nick Monroe's been good for them as a main recruiter, and I think anyone would tell you he's been really good. But to some extent, you almost have to look inward a little bit and look internally at, okay, do we need to change our philosophy recruiting-wise? And I know Dino, they're going after the guys that they trust, and I do think there are some guys in this class that we'll get into that are some hidden gems potentially. And like you said, the offer sheets are pretty good. But at the same time, I mean, those two German guys they pick up this morning, it's two additional signees that is better than That's not better having than two. None. It's two bonus guys, but you look at their offer sheets, and one guy flips from Eastern Michigan, an offensive lineman, and then the other. I mean, they're basically the same offer sheets. It's Toledo, it's Eastern Michigan, it's teams that really Syracuse probably shouldn't be competing with after making it to the Camping World Bowl just last year. And I think the other interesting thing, too, is I said it's built around four-star recruits, and I think that's really – because five-stars are five-stars. Like, Syracuse is I'm, – I'm sorry, they're just never going to get a no. five-star. The no, odds to get a five-star are so low. Right. Like, so incredibly low. Like Although Maryland the, got one, and yeah, I mean, I know Maryland crushed Syracuse. They also but, got Mike Loxley, who is a more intriguing and mainstream name than Dino. But isn't – why is Dino not on that category? Because, I mean, just a year because ago... Because Mike Loxley was at Alabama and Dino Babers was at Bowling Green. Sure, but the thing for me that's shocking is if you're a quarterback, Dino should be right up there in terms See, of an I, ACC coach. I, I'm not sure I agree with that, only because I think Dino's offense is better suited for, like, more... No, I don't want to call him more skill position, but wide receiver running back. So that's why you see Dino get good wideouts. He's gotten good wideouts in every class. Ed Hendricks hasn't panned out because he's been hurt, but he's gotten Taj Harris. He got Tristan Jackson in the transfer pool. I think Damian Alford, the second-rated recruit in this class, is a really, really good player. I think quarterback, like, slinging or I don't know. Maybe these I mean, guys it could be are, offensive line. The quarterbacks that are looking yeah, at Syracuse. Yeah, they don't want to yeah. get hit. And that's, that's reasonable. And there's only two offensive linemen in this class. Neither of them inspire a ton of confidence for me, although I do think Garth well, Barclay. Who's, three offensive linemen when you count oh, the, right, the new yeah. the, German, yep. the new German guy. So, But, uh, all th- again, not a ton of confidence for right. me. Uh, I just think this this they're missing something. Because when you look at their overall recruiting rankings, only four teams in the ACC didn't get a four-star recruit. Louisville, who's had, who's got the sixth-ranked class, but that's based on pure numbers, they've got 24 guys in their class because they're still rebuilding and trying to figure out who they are as a program, and Scott Satterfield has them on the up-and-up very, very soon. But then it's Syracuse, Wake, and Duke. Even three teams ranked below Syracuse in the ACC rankings, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and BC, they all have at least one, if not two, four-star recruits. Like, if BC is beating you out, 
And I understand so the four-star recruits that BC are getting are both offensive linemen and are both from the Northeast area in Massachusetts where BC pretty much reigns supreme. If you get an offer as a small-town school kid from Boston College in Massachusetts, you tend to go there mm-hmm. unless you get an offer from a bigger Power Five. But you got to get four stars like this. Yeah, the, the teams are built around four stars. How many times has Dino said we just don't have the speed or we don't have the four stars when they lose one of these games against an ACC team like a Florida and, State? Right, and you know you look at some of these other ACC schools like Clemson's the only one that's getting five stars. Well, Florida State, Miami, they're obviously pulling in, and I get it. It takes time, and I hate to sound like the pessimist here because there are some strides in this class, but. No quarterbacks, to me, is a huge concern. And the star power went down from last year to this year, which is hard to believe because even though they had a down season, I don't really – I think you more it's more concentrated on the fact that they had a 10-win season and didn't take advantage of it because that's where this class started making decisions after the 10-win season. Look, there are some problematic signs, but you cannot compare Syracuse to Florida State and Miami. No. There are systematic disadvantages – that no coach in the country could could solve or figure out when yeah. it comes to Syracuse and their facilities and how much money they're spending on football. And by the way, that's going up. But if you just look at the numbers, there's a very direct correlation between who spends, who gets the best players, who oh, has the best facilities. Yeah. But don't you think they should be competing with Georgia Tech, a team that was awful I'm this not year? asking for by them the to way, be top five. Pool too. And, and that's, that's just – I want to throw out one more – that doesn't get mentioned. New York is not a good local talent. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, Georgia Tech is pulling from a much better talent pool than, than Syracuse is, but, like, they're bad. And you got beat for Bryce Gowdy. Like, you're a year removed from running the option. I understand they have a new head coach, new system, lots of intrigue surrounding that program, which might be part of the reason. But, like, Bryce Gowdy was a pretty much must-get for this for this Syracuse class, and they didn't get him. And they got beat out by Georgia Tech, who I guess historically has had some more success. They won the well, Coastal a couple Calvin of years Johnson ago. Right. And, and I get that, but, I mean, Syracuse had Marvin Harrison. like, and I don't, Yeah, a little longer ago. But, yeah. Right, but Calvin Johnson's pretty long ago at this point, too. Like, he was early 2000s, early to mid of the 2000 years. So, I mean, it's just – I don't want to call it frustrating, but like when you just look and you no, it's call frustrating. Your, your entire class, <laughs> to me it is. I it's mean, it's like 18, 18 three stars is just eh. Eighteen yeah. three stars and a two star, which right. I mean, it just doesn't and inspire much in me. We should mention Chase Atkinson. We don't know who this mystery recruit is. Who there was a tweet that was sent out by the player personnel director for Syracuse, and he basically said nineteen commits and. Uh, raving about how it's worldwide now what Syracuse is doing because they've got two German commits that they added today, those bonus additions, and then they have two Canadian commits. We don't know because they signed 18 today, so that leaves one more that he said was supposed to be signing. At the press conference, Gil Dino basically just said, like, that's – I stay can't tuned. tell you anything. Yeah, stay Coming tuned. To, he loves – this is his new thing, <laughs> coming to a theater near you. Right. <laughs> like when somebody asked him about uh, Not Again SU at Duke – and how they were going to respond and how they were going to have a conversation. He was like, that's coming to a theater near you. <laughs> like, that's, his, that's his new little It's kind of funny. Well, how, how about the shot at Ryan Alexander? So speaking of yeah. the quarterback situation, someone asked about uh, the return of Rex Culpepper possibly. Could he fill the role of backup quarterback in the immediate future? And Dino Babers confirmed, well, yeah, we're expecting him back. But then again, this is the year of people not telling me things. <laughs> and... Uh, was so distracted by his by his yeah. own quib that he had to ask for the question to be uh, 
you know, yeah. restating. He lost his train of thought at one point and just completely was like, all right, next question. Yeah, I lost <laughs> so, the word, next question. Yeah, yeah but uh, he's he's funny. But, I I mean, as we're talking about, I just, I'm frustrated. I, I think there should be more. I'm not asking for top five, but seven, eight, I think is feasible in the ACC. And they're at and nine, even to top be fair. 50. They're not that far off. I mean, there but the rating's some... lower than last year, too. Yeah, I, I, that also might be. I don't know if that's indicative of Syracuse having a down year or if it's a down recruiting class in comparison to last year. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of factors that a lot of people don't consider uh, in, in this. But, I mean, you just look, you just got to be a little bit better. Like, I just, I would feel a lot better if there were two four stars in this class. Yeah. Like, take away two of the three stars and give me two four, or give me, take away four of the three stars and give me two. Two four stars and have it be a seventeen recruit class instead of an eight or a nineteen recruit class. I feel a thousand yeah. times better. A thousand times right. better. And, and 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 again, it doesn't. It's not all the rankings. It's not all the ratings. Like stars don't matter. Offer sheets do. All this kind of stuff. And guys like Andre Cisco can blossom from unheralded three star recruits into all American ta- caliber talents. But at some point, like you look at who are the who are the teams in the college football playoff this year. Well, I mean, we can't compare it to that. Right, right, right. But I'm just saying, like, eventually, to compete, even at a high level, you've got to have somebody that's really, really good on your team. And yeah. Syracuse just doesn't really have that right now. Like, if Andre Sisko is your best player, you're not going to win. Right, a but is this this just is not going to happen magically? No, I'm so, not saying so it will. I it, think, but, but shouldn't there like be more progress? Yes. A little bit. No, that's it, it would the be it, it would be good to see substantial and visible improvement. And right now, it's not. It's, it's stagnating. It's the same every single yeah. season. Belief but, without evidence is Dino's state favorite thing. And like, I'm trying to believe, right. but there is absolutely no evidence to say but, that like they are recruiting at a high enough level. What is changing here? Like, why is this going to get better? What is getting better within the program? That is going to lead to the recruiting getting better. Now, I will I think give you this. a more appealing a offense. Change. I mean, a culture change in the offense I don't, in the sense you that— You really think—I think the offense is appealing. No, that's what I said. A more appealing offense. Oh, okay. So, uh, uh, what I'm saying is compared to Scott Schaefer the yes. years before. Yeah, d- I mean, it's way that's, better now. That's one reason to say Dino should be getting better recruits because they're utilizing the dome for— Okay, let's run and gun, up tempo, yeah. high octane offense, a little more appealing. You think about wide receiver. I know JD mentioned that's an area where they probably should get some rewards. And again, some of that is Taj Harris is still there. There's a lot of guys that are still there. Tristan Jackson's going to play one more year. So you look at a guy like Bryce Gowdy, he may have chose to go to Georgia Tech because he can play as a freshman and get more snaps. But with this class, I don't think that excuse of we, we have a lot of guys already at our positions and we're still young and we don't need that much and there's a lot of competition might be taking some people away. I don't think that excuse holds as much for this class in particular because Dino said last year it was a break class because they had a lot of talent coming back. This year they need guys offensive line. They could use a linebacker in this class that could step up right away. They could use some other pieces in the secondary. I mean, Defensive interior defensive line could get better. There are, that's the there one are spot. holes. That, that's the spot where, where you have, I think, two two of the more essential pieces on the defense uh, graduating with Kendall Coleman and Elton Robinson. Yeah. But honestly, I mean, linebackers, you have that, – that was last year's class. That was Lee Koba and Michael sure. Jones, right? Secondary – And there's a lot of defensive end prospects that are going to be coming up. Drew Tuazama is a really good DN. Cooper Dawson – 
who are two guys that were kind of staples and they've of proven last year's they class. Can recruit there, right? And they don't. I, I don't. I'm not super. But quarterback. Worried. I mean, quarterbacks. Not. It's not. It's an. It's, it's inexcusable. And Babers, I think, is right there with us. Yeah. And what what he basically said. This was interesting, and I'm not sure what to make of this, but he said that. And I don't know if I misunderstood this, but one thing he definitely said was we need to be more secretive about who we're going after. What I'm unclear on is, is the issue that other ACC teams are figuring out who Syracuse is going after or is the issue that they're pursuing multiple players at once and the individual um, recruits are th- are saying, oh, well, they're not interested in me because they're going after others. Pretty sure it's the latter. Right. Because no that, ACC like, schools are taking quarterbacks from them. You look at no. their recruits, Will Howard, Kansas State. I mean, Cade Forden is a transfer guy that went to USF, but there were a couple others. Mason Garcia signs with ECU, and basically all their quarterbacks they were after are off the table now. Taylor Van Dyke, Miami, who was a high school teammate of Justin Barron, now you've got to look to the transfers, and they'll probably get a quarterback. And Dino said, we want the right quarterback. We don't just want to get a quarterback. And yeah. I get that philosophy, but that's what you say when you're not getting the guys that you want. <laughs> right. I mean, and you wouldn't have is, to say that. And the thing is, all the power to Clayton Welch, I really appreciate what he did for this program and this team this season. But, like, Clayton Welch is not the answer. Like, a Clayton Welch type out of Juco. Like, it's just not the answer. What if Tommy DeVito, like if Tommy DeVito went down significant time at any point this year, it would have been worse than five and seven. Yeah, it's a lost season. As soon as I mean that that was right. not what was nice about Dungy's senior year is they we had all, Tommy. Right, we all knew that you know Dungy it wouldn't be ideal at any stretch of the imagination if he got injured, but if he did, there was someone behind him who it was very capable. Right, right, very yeah. capable of winning games. That was huge. That's a nice feeling to have. That wasn't it this year. I think David Summers is going to be a better backup next year. I think he is pretty convincingly the number one backup. I guess we'll see what Drew. I Gunther don't know if Culpepper well. comes back. I mean, you know, Culpepper had plenty of chance to play this season in scenarios where you know you were looking at at Welch and some garbage time scenarios, some. Cases of, of DeVito getting injured. Babers never threw him out there, really. Yeah. And there was talks of him switching positions well, at one point. Well, he was playing tight so. end in spring, in, right. in spring last year. Like, Which isn't a that good just sign. Doesn't, that just doesn't <laughs> inspire confidence in me saying, oh, yeah, he's going to jump David Summers. Yeah. Who was but I think he is ahead of David year. Summers right now. I mean, is it he? would be Summers jump. Well, Summers was clearly I mean, throwing in the four strings, and he was he, he redshirted. At, I mean, I guess that plays a factor that Culpepper already – used up his red shirt and there's no you're not burning eligibility when you play a Culpepper versus you might right. be if you're playing Summers but with these new rules I mean you could have played Summers you know who'd have you know who'd be great to have on this team right now Chance, Chance Amy <laughs> Chance Amy would be great to have on this football team right yeah. now yeah but you but. know that's the way that's the way it kind of goes I, I mean th- let's put it this way this is a far cry from where they were at during the Scott Schaefer era like they were Awful. In yeah, they were ranked like seventy fifth in the country. Their average rating was like an eighty instead of an eighty four. Like things are much better now, but it just felt like last year they took the step they needed to from an on the field perspective, and of course that took a step back this year. But once the on the field perspective goes up, then you need to go above and beyond recruiting. That's how you build a program. That's how you build yourself into a consistent. Hey, we can be a contender in the ACC. Hey, we can do better than one random 10 and 3 season then we're 4 and 8 5 yeah. and 7. 
there's just it, it's just the building blocks, and I still think yeah. like people want it to go so fast because they got they got the instant gratification last year with the ten and three season. Everyone always wants more, I right? Mean. <laughs> right, and it's just the nature of the beast. I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of oh, it. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm just saying. Still have a little bit of patience. Like, it's frustrating. I'm saying it's frustrating. Yeah. It's frustrating to see, but let's have a skosh yeah. of patience more. And you because... judge the team on the results, though. Right. It's not about the recruiting classes. It's right. about the results. And you, you have a 10-3 and team, senior quarterback, experienced offensive line, blown out, you know, way too high on the expectations coming into the next season. They go 5-7. Five, se- five and seven. It's still better than year one and year two. If they bounce back here with a lot more experience, quite frankly, and a lot of returning players, well, then everything is still back on track. You can't really judge the success of the program based on the recruiting classes. You only go back and complain about recruiting when the team is losing. And we're seeing that with the basketball team right now with Jim Beheim. Nobody would be talking about recruiting if the team was winning. But... I but mean, you can't win without yeah. upper echelon recruits. <laughs> it's, it's a, a chicken before yes, the egg. Yes. It's a, it's a <laughs> no, sick no, it's cycle, just, but that's, that's the way it is. But if we're evaluating Dino Babers at this moment, it's hard to it's hard to say, well, things are off the rails. No, yeah, let's wait and see because, you know, you look at a guy like, I know these are extreme examples and this doesn't happen often. Khalil Mack, two-star recruit, rated as a 70. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Aaron the best Donald, defender in the NFL. <laughs> Aaron Donald, three-star recruit. J.J. Watt, he, was a, he wasn't recruited much, I heard. No, he, he, well, he definitely was. JJ really? Was, I'm pretty sure J.J. Was, uh, was a stud. But, like, either way. Well, look at Stephen Curry in the NBA. I mean, sure. You can, I mean, there there's hidden gems examples. everywhere. Right, but, like, maybe there's one for Syracuse. Andre Sisco is one. Like, who knows? Yeah. Is it disappointing? True Williams is just as good as Andre Sisco. I feel like he gets shaded in that a little bit. That's just my two cents. Oh, no, yeah. JJ was not well recruited. Yeah. I I was. JJ was also a two star. So. But then he transferred. Who do we like in this class? Who are these hidden gems? The top three guys I really like. Yep. Mahar, Alfred. Yep. Atari Kinsler is your prototypical speed rusher, off the edge, super athlete. He needs to put on some off. weight, but right. But those are you know those are things he's 204, working on. Two oh four, six two and a half. Yeah, Damian Alford, I really like a guy from Canada who I think can pair nicely with a guy that's really gotten swept under the rug because he wasn't in last year's traditional cycle. He got added to the roster like a week before the regular season started this year. That's Kevin Mattal, who I wrote an article about. You can check it out on OrangeFizz.net. Not uh, Kevin M I T A L. Check it out. He's a really intriguing prospect. Both those guys out of Canada, both vertical threats down the field. Can they utilize them better than the talent they utilized this year? It's possible. I think he's really intriguing. Six five two ten vertical target down the ball down the field ball catcher. Similar in type, I think, to a Steve Ishmael or a Jamal Custis. Maybe not as athletically gifted right now, but certainly a possibility. And then I really like Stephen Mahar as well, who's right. the tight end at the Local top of this guy. class. Local yep. kid, Rochester, 6'5", 225, great hands, great athlete. 6'6", six, six, by the way, uh, I've seen really? in a lot of different places. It's totally possible because, yeah. you know, the program puts out the ideal number, yeah. and then there's <laughs> another number that the guys want to be listed at, and then there's another number that 24-7 has. Yeah. I'm right. going based off 24-7, but he's a guy, I think, too, this – Tight end room is going to be really intriguing. It's getting better. The next couple of years. Yep. You thought, think about how bad it was. You had Ravion Pierce not really 
a factor in any way. Was shape, supposed or form. to be, but wasn't. Wasn't yeah. right. But this year you had guys be factors. Aaron Hackett had what five six touchdowns. Luke Benson, uh, Pro Football Focus freshman All American, three touchdowns on eight catches. Like he was scoring a touchdown almost half the time he caught the football. And now you add in Stephen Mahar. Those are three guys moving forwards. Hackett's going to be a senior. Benson's going to be a sophomore. And Mahar, a true freshman. Like you could redshirt Mahar next season and still have a really talented tight end with four years of eligibility to pair with Luke Benson for the last two yeah. years of his eligibility. And Justin Barron's a guy outside receiver who people have talked about that he might play a little bit tight end as well if he builds into that. So he's another guy that could be thrown into the tight end but fire. But sticking with Alford for a second. We talk about how the offer sheet is more important than rankings. Well, if that's the case, then Alford might be the best player in this class. And I think Kinsler's offer sheet is really great as well. But Damian Alford, the wide receiver from Canada, moves down to Florida. And I'll credit Babers. He's done a good job picking out guys from Florida. Taj Harris from down there. Cisco. IMG Academy has been a spot for him. And Palmetto as well. But he gets Alford, who moves down to Hollywood, Florida. And his offer sheet is tremendous. Georgia, Kentucky, Miami, Oklahoma, Penn State, NC State, Tennessee, West Virginia. I mean, the list goes on and on. Florida State, Virginia, he took a visit to, and he takes a visit to Syracuse late, and they add that wide receiver. And at 6'5", I think he might be the best player in this class when it's all said and done. He's got the size, the exact kind of size you want for an elite-level wide receiver. I'll be interested to see he's only played one year of American high school football. Then again, does that really matter? Matthew Bergeron was probably the best freshman on the Syracuse team, and he had never played American Mm -hmm. high school football. Uh, So that's totally possible. But Alford, I think, is a really, really intriguing guy because of the offer sheet, because he's kind of unheralded coming out of Canada. Does he to you feel a little bit like O'Shea Brissett? Like would probably <laughs> And I, I understand did not see that I yeah. understand the Canadian, but like a guy that has the intangibles and when you watch his tape, you're like, wow, this guy's good. How about Quincy Gary? <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean yeah. you can make all these but a guy uh, but I'm more saying not even the Canada part, now but his tape wows from, you. Because he's from another not the United States, another country, he's a guy that kind of gets lost in the rankings. So the ranking might be better. Like O'Shea was better than yeah, his ranking. Yeah, way right. better. I just love to see high highly rated and everything's relative, wide receiver recruits coming into Syracuse because I'm so much more confident that they're gonna pan out. That yeah. There's just an added level of comfort with wide receivers because we've seen it before. Taj Unless it's is, Ed Hendricks and he gets hurt. Exactly. But, and I was just yeah. going to maybe name drop Ed Hendricks as the one exception to right. the rule. And that's, again, because he's hurt. Yeah. It's not because he's bad. He just right. can't stay healthy, which is unfortunate because he is so good. Yeah, he, he would is be. Re- he was really, really good in high school. So There's not a lot of number one guys who haven't, and Taj Harris hasn't been a number one, but he's on track as well. You know, you have your, your Steve Ishmael. Um, you have Tristan Jackson this year probably put together the the best season of anyone on the Syracuse. Maybe at a towel number wise was better in that first oh, year. Oh, I, I meant I meant this season. Oh, oh, sure, yes. definitely, hundred yeah. percent. No one, no one performed even like Tristan him. Jackson. Nobody even came close to touching right. him. So you like to you want to see receivers on the list of top recruits for Syracuse. That's a good thing. Yeah. The other thing I really think I liked about this class is there's a lot of speed. A lot of speed. That's How about Sean Tucker? Right. I mean, 4.28, the running back out of yeah. Maryland, who I think is, if I was picking a guy right now as a hidden gem, I think it's him because, A, he has, he's only been playing football for two years. 
He's a track star that has gotten more involved in football. A running back out of Maryland, his ratings have gone up since Syracuse got him, which is always a good sign. But he's got a 4.2840. I mean, that's <laughs> that's all you need to know. If you it's have blues. that, it's then blues. you have potential. You could be Jawar Jordan, a playmaker like that. And I think he could also complement what Syracuse has running back-wise already. You look at the future, Jarvion Howard's going to be here for a couple more years. He's got a little bit more punch. Marlo Wax is in this class with a little bit more pop, another Baltimore guy, and they played against each other a lot in high school. But I really think Tucker, based on the fact that he hasn't been playing football that long, and just his speed in general, is a huge add for this class and will look even better as time goes on. Tucker I'm really impressed with. Another guy, Traver Pena, who's from New Jersey. He's an athlete. Don't really know what he's going to play. He was originally committed to Temple, decommitted. I guess wide receiver. Syracuse. Right. But... He, he was he was going to play slot receiver at Temple, so you'd think he's probably going to play receiver, but he was a running back in high school, so he could be a running back type as well. Yeah. But we all know Sean Riley was one of the better all-purpose backs in his class. He makes the transition to slot receiver and makes a career out of it. Uh, but those are two guys on offense, and when you think speed, you think offense, return game. But again, I'm going to go back to Latari Kinsler here, like, super fast. Like, there's a reason Dino Babers called him Ferrari Latari when he tweeted about him. And we'll get to the to the nicknames in this class, because <laughs> every year they're good, but this year I was really happy yeah. with what they did. Um, we'll get to the weird stuff that some schools do and the cool stuff that Syracuse does, because they're on the cool side. There's a certain program in the Big 12 that's a little bit weird. But uh, Latari Kinsler, super fast, quick first step, kind of that you know new age speed rusher. And when I talked to him earlier today, he told me that he wants to be that new age speed rusher, and he's got some guys he looks up to. Uh, more, of a, more of a speedy, a speedy quick, quick edge guy, not like a Brian Burns and um, Chase Young. I love both of their get-offs, man. Brian Burns, I just love how he get off and chasing on both of them quick speed of guys off the edge, and they can be powerful also. I'm just really excited to see what we get out of Latari Kinsler. I mean, there is potential in this class. Like, yeah, there's potential. There are pieces. Um, There aren't as many pieces that, that I'm excited about as, say, last year or the year before. But guys I'm really in on in this in this class that kind of might be diamonds in the rough. I think Javante Williams is a good add out of Glade Central. And it just so happens that Another Glade Central ad, yeah. and Pahokee, which is where Latari Kinsler went, they are heated rivals, and these two guys know each other. And Latari told me that it's going to be exciting to be teammates with a guy because usually the rivalry is a little bit more something like this. Oh, yeah, that rivalry is crazy. Once you, uh, once you get on the field that rivalry game, I mean, everybody on the opposite side of you is your enemy. So you really you trying to take their head off every play. I mean, the whole the whole city out watching, the whole community, everybody going to that game. People come from all across the world to that game. So that's a very big game. But again, Javante Williams is a slot guy, could be an outside receiver. When I watched his tape, when I wrote the article about him, you can find it on orangefizz.net. I was impressed with what I saw, but it was a lot of what you see from a prototypical high school like highlights tape. Like he's just blowing by guys that he's more athletic yeah. and better than. Like I'm gonna be interested to see can he be physical against more physical defensive backs in the ACC? Can he improve his route running? Like does he actually have the ability to run more than a one move, oh I'm gonna go inside. Just kidding. No I'm not. I'm gonna go 
you know, 90 yards for a touchdown? Does he have more intricacies to his game? He's got the pieces there. He's got decent size, six foot 196. He'll probably grow a little bit, and he'll probably put on a little bit of weight. But he's another guy that kind of intrigues me in this class as a piece kind of similar to maybe a Courtney Jackson from last year's yep. class that isn't super highly touted but has some intriguing skills, Jackson's speed, Javante Williams' elusiveness. Those are skills that kind of intrigue me and say, hmm, maybe this guy isn't super highly touted, but maybe he could be a piece moving forward. Because Tosh Harris was like that. He was not highly touted. He was a high school quarterback. Like, he didn't play wide receiver in high school his senior year. And he turned out to be great his freshman year. So, I mean, who knows? Seems to be like the strategy for recruiting this time around was to trust the measurables height and length-wise, but then also kind of put the rest into the strength and conditioning program because there are a lot of underweight players that may have been, as a result, not as highly touted as a recruit, and Syracuse took chances on those guys. I think Javante Williams is probably one of those guys who needs to put on muscle. But the big one is Garth Barclay, who's six foot seven, two sixty, and um, <laughs> that is straight trying. I mean, material. Yeah. He told you how many yeah. calories he eats a day. Like, he's trying. <laughs> it's not for lack of trying, but, I mean, he basically said, I, I kept growing and growing and growing, and it, it becomes really hard to put on weight when you're constantly growing. But this is someone with, with NFL measurables if he can bulk up. I mean, 6'7 is the perfect size. Like, you look yeah. at you look at a guy like Trent Brown who just signed a, yeah. a huge contract in the offseason with the Raiders after winning a Super Bowl with the Patriots last year. He's 6'7. He's just way bigger. Right. I don't know if Barclay's as athletic as Brown would be at that size. I, I mean, but he's got the potential. If he can grow into his body, he could easily be a starting tackle in two years down the line. Mm-hmm. I think with him, you're going to have to be patient because he is so small right yeah. now in terms of weight. Like 6'7", 260 is, is tiny. Well, how about uh, Maximilian Mung is 6'7", 230, the German tight end that they added. So he's even 30 pounds less than Barkley. Now it's not offensive right. linemen. I'd actually but... honestly rather that's a pretty good size for a tight end. You can maybe put on another 20 pounds. Yeah. But like Garth Barkley at 6'7", he's going to have to play around at least 300. He's yeah. added he's added forty pounds since the summer. Right. As well. So he was so. two six seven, two twenty during the summer. <laughs> well yeah. maybe he's grown a little bit. I mean I mean, it, yeah, it's still. either way that's I mean it's 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 crazy. But again, he's another guy that is he has the measurables, like you said, Gil. On paper, he doesn't look that impressive, but he's got the potential to be impressive because he's got the little things yeah. that maybe make him impressive down the line. You could hit a home run with the, with a guy like with a guy like that, and that's the that's the strategy for Syracuse. It needs to be. I mean, they need to be savvier than the rest. I mean, because can, they can't out recruit. No, yeah, they can't just right say, now, "Oh, come no. to Syracuse." No, that's if, just not how it works. Right. They they need to be. If if they're going to get a four star, more than likely they were first. Right. And that's the only reason a four star is coming to Syracuse is because well. This is the staff that believed in me first, so yeah. I'm going to go there. And even sometimes that doesn't work out. Right. You saw that today. Akeem Mesidor is a defensive tackle, was a defensive end, kind of put on some more weight. So now he's viewed more as a defensive tackle, and he commits to West Virginia today, even though Syracuse was his very first offer. Yeah. So credit to Syracuse for identifying this guy who t- turned out to be a very high-end three-star would have been their top commit, slightly higher than Kinsler. I think he's an 87 overall on 24-7 sports.com. So you don't get him, but like you said, that's they how give you have themselves, to do it. They give themselves a chance there. Right. And, I mean, I don't know how much we want to 
put our trust into crystal ball predictions, but <laughs> a lot of good offers Mesador got, and it was between, according to Crystal Ball, Syracuse and West yeah. Virginia. So at least the Orange were, were in the mix there uh, because they, they found him early. Exactly. And one guy that we haven't even talked about in this class, and again, it's probably just a product of him being a kicker slash punter, but James Williams is a huge ad for this class. And He's only an 82 overall on 24-7 sports. But the but, fact that he's even ranked yeah. on 24-7 <laughs> right. as a kicker-punter means he's really good. Yeah. Like, really good. He is a five-star kicker-punter on Coles.com. He's a top-five punter in this class and a top-15 kicker in this class. And he's made a 57-yard field goal in high school, which is a record for his high school, down in Athens, Georgia. You get him, who was... Alabama was looking at him. I mean, he made a visit to Alabama, no reported offer, but he had a good offer sheet relatively, and he comes up just in time for when Sterling Hoffrichter leaves. And that's another area. You talk about wide receiver as seeing success. Well, punter, kicker might not be the best position to bring in success, but it still matters a whole lot, and that's an area that's getting a lot better. Breaking news. Oh, wow. Chris Blyke to Syracuse. Wow. Huge get. He's a grad, or not a grad transfer, a transfer from Florida. That's big. Offensive lineman, I mean, wild. That is massive news. And we didn't think that was coming out until Monday. Stephen Bailey said for Syracuse.com that that wasn't coming until Monday. So that changes things. Talk about identifying a need. And Blake, who's a guy that didn't play, he started the year as a starter for Florida, transitioned a little bit out of that starting role because he wasn't playing all that great, but... Part of the reason why he's transferring is because he wants to move to a place that's better for him, and potentially he could play next year. He'll have to file for the waiver, but it it feels like around most circles that he has a good opportunity to play next year, so that's huge. Yeah, and, and Babers pretty much wrote off the possibility that any of the three incoming offensive linemen were ready to play this year, so that was out of the picture, but let's put this in, a, in perspective. He's plug and play. He's Yeah, yeah. he's... If hopefully Syracuse better than Ryan Alexander him. plug and play, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> hopefully if Syracuse. Well, I mean, he was starting for an SEC team. Well, Ryan yeah. Alexander was like starting. It's for different, a... yeah. Right. yeah. He's and... he's a Coda Martin caliber maybe because yes. that's an SEC as, and as well. And he feels he feels a need too. Yeah, all he's got to do is, is not quit, and if he does, at least tell the head coach. Yeah, yeah. That's... I mean, telling the head coach is a good thing to, to, to happen. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that quitting, but... that changes everything. Like if we started this podcast knowing that. I yeah. think I would have been way less pessimistic. <laughs> I mean, here I am changing my entire thing. Well, yeah. well, look, if he, okay, so he's class of 2018. He, as a prospect, was ranked 458 nationally by 24 7 sports. That would be the best recruit in this class by a country mile. Yeah. And he was basically a four star. Yeah. I mean, he had interest in Syracuse originally, goes to Florida. Doesn't work out, leaves kind of during the middle of the season there. But if he gets this waiver filed and gets immediate, immediately eligible to play, I mean, that changes maybe even them an entire spot in the ACC standings next year. Like, it, it probably sounds like hyperbole at this point. I know we probably overreacted to the Ryan Alexander news. But, J.D., as you said, this is not someone coming from South Alabama. This is someone coming from an SEC school with a background as someone who is really talented. And a really good SEC yeah. school at that. It's not like he's coming from, like, I don't know, what's a bat, Vandy. Right. Like, even then you'd be like, wow, great. Sure. SEC. But he started eight games in the SEC this year. He's still got a bunch of eligibility left, even after the transfer, even if he has to sit out a year. And if you can get him to go next year, he fills a need. 
Like, who was going to be the next guard after right. uh, Evan Adams leaves? Nobody really knew. There were a lot of question marks. You just plug him in at right guard, and he plays automatically. I, I just don't I don't envision a world in which he doesn't start next year if he's right. eligible. The other thing, too, interesting point that he's making here uh, in his commitment uh, announcement, Syracuse was the first school to offer him out of high school six years ago. Like, so way back when he was a freshman in high good, school good in Pennsylvania. Good callback, J.D. Thank you. That's <laughs> what a good comedian does. <laughs> yeah. callback. Good recall. Yeah. So That's a big that's, ad. That, that kind of yeah. is, is indicative of what you were talking about, Gil. If you're going to get really talented guys like this guy or like a four-star, you got to be first on them. I think that's a priority for Syracuse moving forward is being the first on a guy as important as Blake or as important as a four-star, maybe like a Bryce Gowdy. And even that's not going to guarantee anything, but it gives you a better chance. Maybe that was the uh, mystery man that Dino was talking about, or that number nineteen. Would that be? It is. It probably, it probably it is. was the guy that. But he said not till after out, the holidays, right? But so. the guy that tweeted out the the flags thing and the where the nineteenth mystery man started coming, he quote tweeted Blake's announcement and said the nineteenth man ah. here. Oh, is okay. That, 19, there we so. are. The he's mystery de- solved. He's pretty definitively number 19, but if he's number 19, wow, that's huge. Yeah. Like, that's massive. That's a big number 19. Really and, impressive And he was stuff. keeping his recruiting very close to the chest with, not, I mean, he's not he even public down his on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. He's public now, but he right. locked out his Twitter <laughs> entirely throughout all of this. That's a massive ad for Syracuse. Yeah. So now you, you add a guy who can potentially start next year, and that's one thing that I was going to say is based on what we saw today, you got to start dipping into the transfer portal, and they beat me to it. I couldn't even get that thought out before <laughs> they do go right to it. And we know this is a guy that they've been after for a while. He already came up on the visit, obviously. And there was signs that pointed towards him getting or him coming to Syracuse. We didn't know if it would be today, though, and that's that's huge for Syracuse to add him to the fold. And, again, it addresses a need, which – as Babers has said, it might not be the most flashy position, but we all watched last year's team. They need offensive line. They need veteran guys, and he's someone that can come in and play right away and changes really the complexion of the right. offensive line next year. And one of the things that Babers said as the offensive line went through its struggles, one of the worst in the country without hyperbole, is he said, well, we could be talking next year and looking at one of the best offensive lines in the ACC as far as Syracuse is concerned. And... I mean, I don't know if they're going to get there, but now you look at Matthew Bergeron, who was really good when he finally uh, started in place of Ryan Alexander after he left the team. You have Heckle back from injury, Service back, and and now Bleich. I mean, there is a lot of reasons to think that the offensive line isn't even going to be a week next, next, next year. It's a huge ad for Syracuse, so... That changes everything. I mean, as I said, now I'm more optimistic about this class, and he's basically like getting a four-star because he was a four-star. He goes down to Florida, and it didn't pan out, but now you add him to this class. Anything else you guys want to hit on in terms of the players that are committed in the Syracuse class? Anything to point out? Because I want to talk a little bit about the Germans. Yeah. Weird Uh, situation. Very weird. Like, all of a sudden we were like, okay, this class is going to have 17 guys, maybe one or two, like, guys get added throughout the day. And then all of a sudden I wake up this morning, and two guys, I wake up at, like, probably 7.30, 8 o'clock, and I'm like, all right, guys, you're going to start signing soon. Like, everything all opens at 7 a.m. And all of a sudden, oh, there are already two guys that are already officially signed. And you get two guys from Germany. They're a little bit different because, one, Mark Petri 
Offensive tackle, 6'5", 265, a three-star recruit according to 24-7. He had already played a year of college football. He had played at Ellsworth Community College uh, in Iowa. So he had played a year of college football uh, domestically. But then Maximilian Mung, 6'7", 230, tight end. He's a two-star, but he's coming from high school. Like The only reason he got recruited is because he put in the extra effort. That's what he told me when I talked to him earlier today. Yeah, and that's what you got to do when you're from Germany. I mean, that's not the country that I thought the first two commits were going to come in today for Syracuse. And I guess it's good to see them expanding a I little predicted bit. It. Yeah, I, I said, right on that. Job, Ger- Germany's the one. I had I had my money on Spain. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean the, these guys have just a completely different recruiting process than anybody else does. And and when I talked to Maximilian, he kind of told me like it's just awesome different, name, and you got to put a great name, <laughs> Maximilian Mung. Uh, but you just got to put in a little bit extra effort, and it's a little bit of a longer and more arduous process. It's really different because, first of all, you need to get like kind of scouted in Europe and get to get picked into the top recruits in Europe. There are a few kind of uh, programs that support you, like PPI recruits where I am on and a few others. But yeah, then you need to compete in every camp and show that you are like one of the guys that can take a spot to go to America and show what Europe got and. You show yourself to college coaches, and that's what I did. I just attended camps, tried to better myself in every drill, every one-on-one, every route running mechanic, everything I could get better at. And then it was all about uh, competing and bringing what I got at the camps in America and competing against uh, American kids. So, yeah, I mean, I just didn't see Germany coming by any stretch of the imagination. No. But, you know, wherever you find them, you, you find them. And maybe maybe Mung and maybe, uh, you know, Petri kind of turn into something. You, you, you never know. But one thing I do want to get into, because these were the two first guys that uh, revealed themselves as, you know, official signees. That's when we first got to see the amazing, like, comic book superhero graphic. It was well nicknamed done. Nicknamed all around. Really well done. Baylor like made like real life Muppets for all their guys. It was really weird and creepy, and I did not like it. Love what Syracuse did. Everybody got their own superhero nickname and their own superhero graphic. It's really cool. Check them out uh, at Cuse Football. Really well done from them to announce all the signees. So I just kind of want to go around real quick and kind of pick out everybody's favorite nickname. Mm-hmm. I'll start. Mine is Traber Pena. He just just called the Torch. I think it's just it's simple. He's fast. He's quick. <laughs> yeah. He's fast. He's lightning. He can play multiple. Like I just like it. It's just simple. So I'm going to go with the torch, Trevor Pena. Well, we talked about that mysterious 19th recruit, and we've really enjoyed ourselves with you know finding out over the course of this podcast who that mystery man is. So I'm going to go with a nickname that I really appreciate because of the mystery, and it's Josh Aloa, the Silver Savage. Wow. Yeah. Right? Why is he the silver savage? I mean, yeah. now maybe you, we'll find out. Now you have my attention. You know what about him is silver? Congratulations! Savage? You have won. You have won my attention. Right. I'm more interested in you than I was before. And Josh Lowe is another guy that I think could be interesting in this class. I can't believe you guys are leaving this one on the table. I mean, the clear best nickname here is Ferrari Latari Kinsler. He's quick, he's the best player in this class, and he's got the best nickname. Yeah. I mean, that's I awesome. say, on brand, I will too. say the only thing is he got two nicknames. He's special. So he got Ferrari Latari in the tweet, 
in the quote tweet because Dino's been quote tweeting all these guys. He got a second one too. He got his superhero nickname and it was Iceman, both of which I think are cool. Yeah. When I talked to him, he said he liked Ferrari Latari a little bit better uh, because it described kind of the way he plays. But overall, well done on the theming of this National Signing yeah. Day from Q's Football. Their social media team is working very, very hard, and it's very, very impressive what they've done. And that's and big, important. too. It's yeah. important. Now, D- Dino Babers loves his cars, so uh, that's also why it's <laughs> right. very unburned, right? I mean, you know you know, he's in his office like, that guy, he's a Civic. We don't want him. Right. <laughs> he's, a, he's a Civic. That's an Oldsmobile. Get that's him out. That's just a RAV4. We're looking whoa, for a Camaro at, at least. RAV4s, don't don't hate. And to anyone driving right now in a Honda Civic listening to this podcast, <laughs> we're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> don't we, take it personally. No. Many apologies. We yeah. love you and, and your car. Well, we started this podcast and we were negative. Now we're a little bit happier. I mean, it still wasn't maybe – it's more of the same from Syracuse this year, but you do get a transfer, not a grad transfer, but a transfer and Chris Bleich at the end. He comes in, breaking news in this podcast – and he really does make this whole class just look a whole lot better at the end of the day. So anything else from you guys? I think that's a huge add, and next year becomes a little bit more optimistic for me in terms of Syracuse. And I know some of these freshmen will play a little bit, and we will find some hidden gems. I really like Sean Tucker, but that guy is the most potential to plug and play next year. Chris no Blake? Yeah. Oh, 100%. I think he's gonna if he's eligible, he's going to start. Like, yep. I really don't envision a world where he doesn't. Right. All righty. Well, for Gil Gross and J.D. Rachi, Tim Leonard signing off here on the FizzCast. Thanks for listening. If you missed any of this, check out our Twitter page, Orange Fizz. We have been tweeting all throughout the day on National Sign Day. We've got a thread up. We also have a complete recruiting guide you can go to. Just search 2020 Complete Recruiting Guide on our webpage, orangefizz.net, that has bios of all these guys. But thanks for listening, as always, and hope you enjoyed another happy Fizzmas. Fizzmas.